There we go. Uh, hey, it's good to see everybody tonight. Um, welcome to Large Group. I'm glad that you all are here. I hope you've all had a, a good, is this week, week three? In whole integers, it's week three, right? Uh, I think that's right. So it's good, yeah, it's good to see you all. Hey, uh, welcome to RUF. Welcome to our Large Group. We do a lot of things uh, throughout the week, fun things. Uh, I hope they're not unfun things, but maybe we probably do some unfun things. But this is our weekly large group, um, so if this is your first time, welcome. If it's not your first time, it's good to see you all. Um, a lot of different ways that we can describe what RUF is, but if one of the things, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll hear someone, probably me, but someone say this, we want to make a community where it's okay to not be okay. Where it's okay to not be okay, and what that means is that sort of contrary to what a college campus sort of forces or demands that you be at the top of your game in kind of every area of your life, like in your grades, in your finances, in your social status, in your mental health, in your coolness vibe, in your Instagram profile, your resume, everything says that has to be at 11 out of 10. We want to be a place where you can say like, I'm a seven or I'm a two and that's okay. <laughs> so. Um, that we don't have to be all those things, that we want to be a community where under the banner of Jesus, it's okay to not be okay. And this semester, we're talking about how that happens in relationships, in all kinds of relationships. And the passage that we're going to look at tonight, I don't know if there's any other passage. Well, yeah, the, that re- the, tonight's passage really talks about that, that it's okay to not be okay. Um, and uh, so we're going to look at this, and we're specifically going to ask the question about how do we deal with the relationship with ourselves? <laughs> How do we deal with the relationship with ourselves, and uh, how does the Christian faith inform that? Oh yeah, by the way, if you have questions about what we're talking about tonight, send me a text, and we'll have a, we'll have a short discussion at the end of this. Um, so with that, I'm going to read this psalm, uh, and then we'll dig into it. So if you have your bulletin, uh, look on there for the text, or if you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 42. This is God's Word. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him again, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, and all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray real quick. Lord, thanks that we can be here tonight and 
can continue the semester and can continue to open your word. We pray, Lord, that as we study it now, that you would be with us, that your spirit would separate these words from all the other words that we hear this week and use them to encourage us, to convict us, but mostly to point us to Jesus, who is our hope and our salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the psalm, obviously, kind of a downer, but uh, we're not going to leave it there. But here's a song. It's a song, but, but the psalms back in, the, in Israel's time were sort of these uh, corporate songbooks, kind of like if you go to a Christian church and open it up, there's a hymn book. The psalm functioned in that way. And so these psalms here, uh, this psalm in particular, here the singer is longing for relief from deep spiritual unrest. And I think as we look at that, as he's longing for relief from that, we learn a lot about how our relationship with ourself can work and does work. Uh, and so what I want us to do tonight is look at that, how this psalm informs our relationship with ourself. And uh, before I do that, I want to ask, what do we mean when we say relationship with ourself? Because that could be confusing and weird. Um, so what I want to try and do is kind of just define that real quick. I'm going to say that a relationship with ourself, I mean kind of the personal process of asking and answering questions about identity and values and meaning. The personal process of answering and asking, asking and answering questions about identity, value, and meaning. And so like college is a time where that just happens gangbusters, right? We all know that each one of us is in, in college is in this hyperdrive process of asking questions. And so as Christians, we would say, yeah, and in that process, sin is playing a big facet. That, that asking and answering those questions about what's valuable, what's meaningful, what, it, what, what makes me unique, that sin plays a role in that. And the psalm is talking about that, and he's talking about it with a lot of turmoil. He's saying, I'm in this process, and it's not going well. <laughs> and where does God meet us in that? And so as we look at that, I want to look at three things here. First, kind of what is that turmoil within the relationship of the self? And then the question behind the question and three, the hope. The turmoil, the question behind the questions, and the hope. So let's look at each in turn. The first one, the, the turmoil. So <laughs> it obviously doesn't take a PhD in literature to, to look and say, like, the singer here is not having the best day of his life. He's in turmoil. And, and a lot of that comes through in sort of the images that he uses to describe what's going on. You just look back at, at the text in verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. And so here's the author. He lives in what's now modern-day Palestine, which looks remarkably like our Oregon mountains. And you can think of a deer that's been not, ha hasn't had access to water for several days and is desperately thirsty. And the Hebrew is like dying of thirst. And, and he's saying, this is how I feel, that I'm, I need, I long for water to quench me. And that's how I long for God's presence in my life. And he says, the next image, he says in verse 3, tears have been my food day and night. And this is the picture of constant crying. He says, rather than, he says, the only water in my life is basically salty tears. That I'm desperately unwell of soul. Maybe some of you have been there, have, have been there where you just can't seem to stop crying. I know that I've been there. It was in college where there were these days where it was just, I was deeply depressed, and so I would, just, I would just sit in my dorm, and I would cry, kind of like clean up a bit, go to class, and then come back and just be like, why can't I stop crying? What's wrong with me? He presses on in verse 7, and he says he's been tossed around by waves. He complains against God, and he says, I feel like I'm in the ocean. I'm getting pounded by waves. 
And uh, this is sort of a weird anecdote. I, <laughs> recently, I've been, uh, I got caught stuck in a YouTube wormhole about watching this show called Bondi Rescue. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how the algorithm knew that I needed that so badly in my life. <laughs> But it sure did. So it's the show about lifeguards in Sydney, Australia, uh, on this really popular beach. And they basically sit in a guard tower and watch for people who are drowning. And so it'll be amazing because they'll be filming the sea and they'll be like, there's one. And there's this person who's like been fine and all of a sudden the wave will kind of hit them wrong and they'll get flips upside down. And it's instantly, they go from having a great day to flailing and drowning and not okay. And then just as they start to sputter, another wave just bam, knocks them down again. And there's just this process of, and so then they, these Australian guys go out and rescue them. Um, but, but, you know, there's this, that's the image that's in their mind of just this constant hammering of waves. They're just, you can't seem to catch a break that you're disoriented and troubled and flailing and drowning. And you're asking, like, where is God in all this? Is God against me? as the wave of a rejected scholarship and then family trouble and then a fight with a friend and then a brutal assignment, all of it just kind of crashes, slams in on me. And I'm asking, like, what's wrong with me? Why am I in such turmoil? And it's interesting that in this psalm, God seems fairly absent, doesn't he? That's what makes the turmoil so unbearable is that God is not present really in this psalm. The psalmist is saying, God, where are you? I'm, in, I'm unwell in my heart. My soul is deeply distressed and you're nowhere to be found. In fact, nowhere in this psalm does God speak. He never comes and gives words of comfort. In the Hebrew, there's two words for God, Elohim and Yahweh. And Yahweh is God's name for his personal name, where he says, when he says, when he says I am Yahweh, I am the close God who knows you and loves you and cares for you. And Elohim is the name for God that's sort of the generic, this is just God, the God who's distant, creator, doesn't really have much to do with your life. Think about the difference of this way. Think about my personal name, Jonathan, and my title, which is Reverend. <laughs> which is super ironic. <laughs> but like, you wouldn't text me and say, now you all are going to, but you wouldn't text me, and no one has texted me and said, Reverend, I'm unwell. They say, they say Jonathan, hey, can we talk? Something's up. Well, this is, he's saying this is so distant that he's basically saying, God, I don't even know where you are. You're totally removed from my life. You're totally absent. It feels, Reverend just feels impersonal, unless you're Marco, and then it's all he calls me. <laughs> and that's what, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, the psalmist is using that to say, God, even you far away, and I feel alone in my sadness and in my crying and in my faith. So there's this great turmoil of the soul. The soul's longing for God to be satisfied from the pounding of the waves and the thirst and the loneliness. He says it twice. Why are you cast down, O my soul? In verse 5 and verse 11. He's in turmoil within me. He says, my soul is cast down. And there's a lot of angles that we could talk about that in a college environment. I mean, I know that all of you have been in that spot in some place or another, like mental stress or mental unwellness, anxiety, loneliness, depression, questions about sexuality. And those are all on the table. And those things I can all fit within this. But the one that I kind of want to hone tonight a little bit and process with you is, is, is asking questions about body image 
because those are a unique set of relationship to ourselves that we all deal with. I think one of the places where our relationship with ourself can be the most tumultuous is with our relationship with our own bodies, with our own physical bodies. And I'm sure that 100% of us in this room in the last year have looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, there's something about my body that I don't like, that I wish was different. That our relationship with ourselves, that our physical bodies, is, is, it's, it's broken and that we know there's, we just, we're at turmoil even with our physical bodies, let alone our, our minds, but even with our bodies. I know I do. Like, as a guy, there are days where I'm like, man, I wish I just was bigger and weighed more. And then there's, the next day, I was like, man, I just wish I weighed less. Or like, for me, this constant process that I'm encountering right now is the fact that I'm getting older and my hairline's receding. And I'm like, I hate this. And I don't like it, and I'm at turmoil around it. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. We face turmoil about our physical bodies. And sort of the secular world, the non-Christian world, sort of has two answers to us in this. And, it's, and I think both are unsatisfying. The first, I'll call it the Lizzo argument. Listen to these lyrics from one of Lizzo's most recent songs. Listen to what she says. She says, because I'm my own soulmate. I know how to love me. I know that I'm always going to hold me down. Yeah, I'm my own soulmate. No, I'm never lonely. I know I'm a queen, but I don't need no crown. Look up in the mirror like, damn, she's the one. The Lizzo argument is basically, you laugh, but this is, tr- this is stuff that you all hear every day. It's like, basically, it doesn't matter who you are or what you look like, accept yourself. Love yourself for what you are. And you're wrong if you don't do that. Embrace yourself exactly for who you are. Embrace your physical body where it is. That's the one argument. On the other end, we have what I'll call the Super Bowl argument. (laughs) We just watched the Super Bowl. I'm sure many of you watched the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl argument is in that one, a 50-year-old woman and a 43-year-old woman look like a cosmically attractive 23-year-old woman. (laughs) And it points before us, both men and women, that this is the standard. And anything that falls short of that standard is wrong. That there's something wrong. And we do the same thing. We did the same thing last year with Adam Levine. So it's not just women. That we all have this this standard of either just love yourself for exactly where you are or there's this standard of your physical body that you can... I mean, let's be honest. None of us are going to look like that. (laughs) That's just... It's impossible. And so we are left with like this, what am I supposed to do with my physical body? And it causes great tumult, great turmoil in our relationship with ourselves. Lizzo says, I'm perfect the way I am. The other says, you must reach this impossible standard of perfection. What does scripture say as we encounter our relationship with our bodies? It says this. It says that you are a glorious ruin, both of soul and of body, that you were created good, that God formed, God formed your physical body. Carbon atoms. Physical body exactly the way he intended it to be. That he formed it and that it's, and, and it's a good thing because God only makes good things. And that, that w- the fact that we have physical bodies is a good thing. And that is something that we should value and love and respect about ourselves. And that our physical bodies like our souls are broken and flawed and imperfect. Things like diseasing and aging and all the effects that come with that. 
that we are glorious ruins, that we are this picture of, like, of, like I said last week, of a church that had so much beauty and dignity, but it's seen some hard times, and so now it's just ruins. And the Christian, the Christian view of what we do with our bodies is, is it's, it's neither love yourself just how you are, nothing needs to change, or, hey, you'll never measure up. It's this, this picture of both, that our physical bodies are good as they're created and physically broken. Let me put it this way. Listen carefully. If you find yourself looking at your body or if you find yourself treating your body in such a way like this, if you find yourself eating when perhaps you shouldn't or not eating when you should, if you find yourself not exercising when you should or exercising when you shouldn't, that is evidence. Hear what I'm saying? It's not proof, but it's evidence of turmoil in your relationship with yourself. And it needs the Holy Spirit And I impugn myself in that just as much. I have had an eating disorder in my own life. The Lord has been good to me. But that's a factor in all of our lives. We're going to cycle back to how the gospel begins to heal me, begins to heal us of that. So um, either text in or you can reach out to Madeline or Deborah on that. So we have these tumultuous relationships within ourselves, not just of our spirits and souls and minds, but even with our bodies. And that leads us to the second point, which is the question behind the question. So in this turmoil, this unrest of the soul, this broken relationship with ourselves that the psalmist describes, there's a lot of questions in this psalm, a ton of different questions that you're asking. And in fact, in just a few verses, there are eight different questions. Questions like, when shall I appear before God? Or where is your God? People are mocking the psalmist, saying, where is your God? And he's asking himself, why are you at turmoil within me? Or, and he asks God, God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go around mourning because of the oppression of other people? Why are you cast down on my soul? Over and over again, he's asking these questions, either asking God what's going on in my life, or people are asking him in this insulting way, like, hey, God doesn't care about you. And all of these questions are seeking some sort of explanation for the turmoil within himself. Just last week, I was at a pastor's meeting with a bunch of different pastors in Albuquerque, and there was a forum that one of them led on emotional health. And one of them described how he and his wife had lost a baby one day after she had been born. And so it was a huge tragedy, and this had happened a while ago, and he was processing, like, what does emotional health within himself look like? And he says the thing that they constantly found themselves asking is, why is this happening? Why did this happen? Where was God in this tragedy, in this turmoil in our lives? And I know that many of you have walked through great tragedy, great pain in your lives, and everybody always asks, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And the essence, of the, uh, the essence of the turmoiled soul is this unanswered question or these questions that strike at the core of who we are and the seeming no answer to them. And I'm going to make a claim here that's kind of bold here. It's this, that behind all of these questions that we ask, behind all of these questions is one question. One question, and it's this. Is God good? Is God good? Is God trustworthy? Is God on my side on this? Behind all these questions of the turmoil of our relationship with ourselves is a question about the goodness or the trustworthy of God. Is God good if I don't get a dream job? Is God good if my girlfriend or boyfriend breaks up with me? 
Is God good if I never get married? Is God good if I'm poor? Is God good how he created my physical body? All of these things and more. And behind every question about your relationship with yourself, our relationship with ourselves, we have to answer that question behind all the questions. Is God good? And that brings us to the last point, which where God gives us these, these snippets of hope and shows us his goodness. And he gives us, I think, three pictures of his goodness in this psalm. Three, three, three pinpricks of light in this psalm. And they have to do with time. He gives us remembered goodness, present goodness, and future goodness. Remembered goodness, present goodness, and future goodness. Look at verse 4. Remembered goodness. What does he say? He says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. What's he saying here? He's saying, I remember a time when I experienced God's goodness. I remember a time when I, when I saw that God was good in my life. And he says, specifically, it was in public worship. In today's language, it would go something like this. I remember the time I was at a Christian retreat or with church or with Christian friends, and we were singing and we were laughing and we were celebrating together God's goodness. I, and those were the moments where I could pop above the clouds of the turmoil and say, ah, yes. This is good. God is good. How many of you can look back on West Conference or on a fall conference or on a summer conference and say, that was a sweet time of sensing God's goodness. That was a piece of heaven. And in my turmoil now, I'll remember that. So when you're in this turmoil of your relationship with yourself, he says, remember back. I remember these times where I experienced God's goodness. Okay, remembered goodness, present goodness. Look at verse 8. For by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Notice two things here. First, this is the one place in this psalm where it uses God's personal name. If you see in your text, it uses the word LORD, and it's in all caps. That's the way that we translate Yahweh into our English Bibles. So in the midst of, God, of him saying, God just seems so far away, he says, here's this one moment where God is close and personal and known. He's saying here, he says that this, this, this personal God is, is, is close to me and he commands his steadfast love. And that's his promise-keeping love. He says, is God trustworthy in all of the turmoil? He says, yes, the personal God who moves close to you and me, he is trustworthy in his steadfast, unfailing love. And what does it say? He commands that's a present tense verb. He's saying right now in our lives, God is commanding Yahweh, the personal God of the Bible, is commanding, for those of you who are in Jesus, is commanding and overseeing, ordering, directing his trustworthy, promise-keeping love towards you. Even The psalmist says, even when I am this down or depressed or in unrest of my soul, God is loving me. He's working. He's orchestrating. He's ruling day and night, presently, for my good. Remember goodness, present goodness, future goodness. Future goodness. Look at verse 5 and 11. Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall appraise him again, my salvation and my God. 
future goodness. This whole sentence, this whole idea looks forward to and anticipates a time where God will not be absent and where this turmoil won't be happening. He says, I have this dogged, clinging on hope, this faith in God's goodness. He's saying, I trust that this won't go on forever. And as Christians today, we have that proof that God is good to us in Jesus, right? We have that proof that God is good to us. Jesus proves that God is totally committed to us, that he won't abandon us, that he is not absent. And what's the proof? Because Jesus dies for us. Nothing proves that God loves you in the midst of your tumult, in the midst of the unbroken relationship with yourself than Jesus coming and saying, I will die for this person to start knitting together the broken relationship with himself. The proof of God's goodness is his trust. uh, The proof of God's trustworthiness is Jesus. Now, how does that affect our relationship with our bodies? How does that affect the relationship that we have with our physical bodies? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes that our physical bodies, in light of Jesus' resurrection, he says, in light of our, in light of Jesus' resurrection, everyone who believes in Jesus, though we die physically, though our physical body get to the point where it stops working, though we die, though we age, though our physical bodies break down, because of our union with Christ, In his physical resurrection, we can look forward to our resurrection. And y'all, that is not just some sort of, yes, I'm going to go be a spirit in heaven and and I'll be with Jesus. No, Jesus is a physical person who is sitting on a physical throne in heaven. And we will be raised with him in physical form. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 is talking about. That's what we can look forward to as Christians. That's the, that's the future goodness, is that our physical bodies, your physical body as a Christian, will be without the turmoil that we experience right now. That doesn't mean that we're going to look like Jennifer Lopez or Adam Levine. But it does mean that our physical bodies and our relationships with our physical bodies will be without turmoil. That is going to happen, and the proof is that Jesus already did it. Jesus is risen from the dead. He is sitting on his throne in his physical body, and he will do that for us. That is the hope that we have in our relationship with our bodies. So what's the application point here? What what do we go in when we we feel this tumult within us, either mentally or physically or any way? What what are we supposed to, how, how do we respond? Well, I'll put it this way. Talk to yourself and don't let yourself talk to you. Talk to yourself and don't let yourself talk to you. We have to become a people who learn how to talk to ourselves and not let ourselves talk to us. That we, 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 live, we, listen, we live in a world where we are constantly receiving input, subconscious, conscious messages about who we are from ourselves. And some of those align with what God's Word says and some of them don't. And we have to, by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Christian community, become a people who say, no, I'm going I'm to become a person who listens to what God's word is, said, is true of me. And look, that's exactly what he says in verses 5 and 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself. He says, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. Hope in the resurrection. Hope in what God has already done. Hope in God's trustworthiness. Hope in His goodness. 
for I shall yet see him. I shall see him. He is my salvation and my God. So this week, y'all, when you feel these moments of I hate myself or what's wrong with me, why am I such a horrible person? Why am I so ugly? Why am I so blank? Become, remember, slowly become a person who says, no, 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 wait. What does the Bible say is true of me? Why are you downcast within me, O my soul? Why are you depressed? Hope in God. Yes, this is a discouraging season. But remember God's goodness and his love in Jesus. Remember how trustworthy Yahweh has been in Jesus. Remember how good it has been when I am in the fellowship of other Christians. And hope in the resurrection that all of this tumult and turmoil cannot last forever. Would you pray with me? Lord, thanks for this time that we can look at how your word affects our relationship with ourselves. Lord, we pray that as we continue to explore our own selves and how your word affects and influences that your spirit would be mighty to save us from even ourselves. We pray that you would do this. Start with me. Start with us in this room. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.